0: Hey, we're Angela and Stephanie, fellow pantser, plotter, and your new best friends. In an industry where doing all the things to make another buck and stay afloat seems to be trending, we're here to shift the conversation. On the Indie Author Lifestyle Show, we're committed to teaching you actionable strategies that lead to a successful indie author career and life. Grab your field mugs, bring your notepad, and let's get to work. Welcome to episode 43. I'm excited because we just had an amazing conversation with Lydia Scherer and oh my gosh you guys get your pens and pencils ready there's so many quotables so many just like truth bombs she dropped it's incredible I'm sitting over here raving but we're gonna have her back like for a lot more discussions because she has so much to share anyway um yeah what's going on in your world Stephanie?
1: yeah no so I'm so excited we are both coming off the heels of the pro writing aid fantasy writers week and then also this past week um, was the women in publishing summit with Alexa Bigwarf of write publish sell and you guys for those of you who like got in there you know that it was a ton of valuable content it was amazing i mean i can't like as you know i was a presenter for both of these different events but like i also was a consumer (laughs) and i know that it was just a wealth of knowledge and information so I'm coming off of that pretty super jazzed. Um, there's different um, collaboration opportunities coming from that, which I'm really excited about. So, you know, those will be shared in time. But as far as writing, I am still editing um, my next novel, which I'm super excited about. Um, that is going to be a summer release. Um, I've decided that that is going to be a summer release. I'm really happy about it. I am plowing through, and it's so awesome because doing you know going through this you know for this is not even the third time it's like the like fifth or sixth time now you learn so much about your process and you learn so much about what you like in storytelling and how you can weave um you know just different elements into what you're doing so I'm really happy about that and plus like different you know any every single time you're consuming something that is like ideas and and lessons to incorporate in your story and um I I recently just watched Gone Girl for the first time I know Angela I was raving with you and I got so So many lessons from that movie that I literally was able to come back. And I'm so happy that I'm still revising because I can come back to the book and I'm like, okay, I can implement these storytelling lessons in this book. Y'all are about to be off your rocker when you read this book because it is bananas. And so I'm having so much fun revising. I am no longer stuck with it. Like, I finally figured out my rhythm with the male pov yes i'm really excited about that i finally found my rhythm with the male pov as well as uh the female pov so i am just having a lot of fun and i cannot wait for this book to drop this summer because i've been working on it for quite some time so i'm ready for it to be published
0: (laughs) amazing that's so exciting and just all the things that oh, get your mind going and help you move past, you know, getting stuck. And actually that's some great advice. So for our listeners, if you ever are writing and you just feel really stuck, it takes some time to do something different. Refill your creative well, read a book, watch a movie, do something outside of your genre, just something to get your mind going again. That's so helpful. And one of the big things that I did this week that really helped or you know, not this week, but last week over the weekend uh, was that I decided to push myself a little bit more with my writing. I cleared my schedule for an entire day and just set, put together um, a whole plan so that I could write 10,000 words. And I put together my my time. I put it on my calendar. I said, this is when I write. This is my goal for that writing hour that I have. This is my break time. And I just divided up my entire day. I spent eight to 430 writing with a bunch of breaks. I think I braked for probably two to three hours uh, just to get myself going. But I had my very first ever 10,000 word day. First ever. And so I was just excited because I had tried that before. Um, I tried doing like a, a long writing sprint over the day. And I don't know, maybe it was my mindset or where I was at, it just fell flat. I got about seven 7,000 words in and it was just pure crap. But this time I did it, it, it It's good writing, it's 10,000 words. And so I'm celebrating that milestone.
1: No, that is so awesome. Um first of all, 10K days, y'all, like, that's huge, so congratulations, because, like, I've done, so I think the, the highest I've done in a day was, like, 15K, and I, dang near, Passed out. Like I, I was so close because, like, your brain. First of all, by the time you get to the seven thousand word mark, your brain is like, "I've had enough. I'm tired. I don't want. I don't want to create anymore. <laughs> like, stop torturing me." So, hats off, you know, because that is huge, and that's actually some good advice for y'all too. Like, if you're if you're at a spot and you need to like get ahead with your story, or you want to just like dive in and like kick it off and get some good momentum going. Plan a 10k day. It is possible if you plan for it ahead of time. And I love what you said that, like, you put it on your calendar, and not only you had like when you were going to write, but you also knew like your break times. And I think that's important. When I had 10k days, I did not plan break times. And so, like, I knocked out the 10k, but I was burnt right like because I would just go like I would plow through like three four thousand words and like give my brain a little bit of like 10-15 minutes and then dive right back in and so like I got it done but it was just not healthy <laughs> so- Yeah. And
0: I totally get that. One other thing that I've started doing, and I want to give a shout out to Allie. We had her on, on episode 41. So y'all definitely go listen to that, but she does writer sprints. And so I joined her sprint, um, on a Saturday, Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. Central time is when she does the writing sprints. And you can join honestly, anytime it's about a whole three hour session, but that was super helpful because she's like a cheerleader. She helps you get motivated. And most of all, she helps you focus. Focus. And so when you join her sessions, which I highly recommend will include the um, link in the show notes too. Um, you know, you just have that time to kind of talk and then she'll set a timer and you just focus. And you know, sometimes it's 25 minutes, sometimes it's just 20 minutes, but you have that focus time and so that can also help if you're feeling the struggle with writing.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And so you guys, that's what's up with us. You know, we are writing, we are doing the thing, we are in it with you. And now we are going to dive into a very good conversation. Please have pens and notepads because you're going to take a lot of notes.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Indie Author Lifestyle Show. We are back with episode 43, and today we'll be talking with an amazing author, Lydia Scherer. And Lydia, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're excited to chat with you today, but to kick us off, uh, how would you tell us what got you started with writing?
2: That is not an easy question at all. Um. Well, I wrote my first story when I was 10. It was about my guinea pigs. I still have it. And I illustrated it too. Uh, (laughs) Like randomly found it in some old junk like a couple years ago. And I was like, keeping this. Um, I didn't start writing like longer stuff till I was a teen. And um, I started, you know, writing like that stereotypical like fantasy story that every teen starts on and like has all these big ideas and they kind of peter out and forget about it and then they start another one and that peter, and you, that's boring oh look you know shiny over here uh so I did that for a while um and then when my sister my little sister started going to college no when I started going to college me and my little sister were very close and so I started she gave me a picture she does art so she gave me a picture for Christmas And um, I was like, wow, this is a really cool picture. Like, I want to write a story about it. So I started, I wrote like a little short story about it, um, starring me and my sister as the stars, of course, because when you're a teenager, that's what you write about. Um, And uh, she really, really liked it. And I felt really inspired. So I kept, I turned it into a story and started writing and wrote about, I don't know, 70,000 words or so, like pretty much book length. And I was like sending it to her in chapters while I was at college. And I'd go months and months and months without writing and then like write like all day I'd be like done with finals for that semester and I'd just take the next day, I would just write all day in my comfy little, you know, college chair with all the cookies and everything and the milk over here. Um, And uh, I really enjoyed that, but I will confess, don't crucify me. It was a Twilight fan fiction. So I'm like, I started thinking, I'm like, you know what? I can never publish this. This is copyright. I can't publish it. I'm like, I kind of want to publish it. I put so many hours into this you know why spend all this time writing and never show anybody beside my sister so then i started about 2010 or so a rewrite process um that dragged on for a couple years where i was trying to just like re um you know think out the plot and take out obviously all the copyright material but kind of still keep the inspiration and so that took about two or three years i worked on that and was almost done. i was like three quarters of the way through but it was just really it was getting dark, like I don't, I can't help myself, like things get dark, not because I like grimdark fiction, but dark because uh, our lives get dark, and without confronting that darkness, I feel like there isn't enough impact, maybe, in the stories that we tell, like stories, you know, to be, re- to be worth reading it, or um, the kind of stories that I enjoy are stories with a lot of impact, and they really kind of, they hit you right here, so it was just getting really dark, I'm like, ah. I can't write this, I'm so depressed, I need something fun. So I started a a short story about a librarian wizard with a talking cat and it's supposed to be snarky and fun and it doesn't matter, it's just just fun. And that turned into my, you know, international best-selling Love, Lies and Hocus Pocus universe books that I have now. So that's kind of my, the long complicated answer to your simple question, so.
0: Wow. That's awesome. And I love that you began writing um, when you were really young because I feel like that is something amazing that just kind of just sticks with us and with your sister I have four sisters and so they were the first to read my books and that's just something where you mentioned the sister and I was like I feel that so hard the sister thing is just so close to me
2: (laughs) are the best the best the best
0: yes yes and so I would like to ask you so today I know that you are a full-time author and we'll get into the meaning of that later but you went to college and so did your college career kind of help with transitioning you into becoming an author? What was it that helped you make that switch?
2: Um, so I, um, who i never even dreamed of being an author until probably two or three years out of college. Going into college, I intended to be a, a translator or a, a, an interpreter. I double majored in Chinese and Arabic language and was first going to go into military intelligence. Um, I was briefly in the Marine Corps. And so that I really wanted to serve my country and I enjoyed the lifestyle. Um, and I still miss it, but I realized pretty quickly that I'm a little bit too independent to take orders and was getting to the point where I'm like, y'all stop telling me what to do. Cause, uh uh-uh. uh. So, yeah. Um, so I left, I left that training, uh, sadly, and so I, I wasn't going to do military intelligence, so I was going to, I started applying to businesses, I was thinking maybe CIA, FBI, or maybe some big business over in China, um, then my grandparents got sick, and so that kind of derailed the whole career I thought I wanted, and everything I put my energy into in college, and so I came home to be with them in kind of their last years of life, um, and of course, you know, it was a blessing in disguise because I honestly, like I was so burned out of languages. I was just, I was just exhausted from studying. I studied full-time for four years, no summer breaks because I did summer classes during summer. I I was in uh, Syria in 2009. I was in China in 2008. I was in Quantico training in the Marines in 2010. So yeah, it was just exhausting. So I went home and I just kind of Drifted a little bit for a year or two. Kind of tried, I hate working for other people. No offense to other people. I just don't like being told what to do. So I tried like a couple. Uh, I was a law clerk for a little while. I even applied to a police, local police academy and I'm just like, yeah. So I did Mary Kay for a while and just, I, I, I didn't really have a lot of direction, but I was being very artistic, like behind the scenes, you know, while trying to living out of my parents' basement and figuring out what to do with my life. Um, and so that's really when I started writing a lot. Um, that's when I was working on the book I was telling you about I was writing a lot of poetry. Um, I was, uh, I had a friend that I was the law clerk for part-time for about a year. Uh, who's an amazing, wonderful guy. I love him to death as a friend, really sucks with the boss, but <laughs> love him as a friend. And so, you know, we, 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 you know, amicably parted ways. Uh, and, uh, he, told me about he started publishing self-publishing books and he was he's a almost retired lawyer so he is you know 50s 60s he wrote books 30 40 years ago tried to get them published and they never nobody ever picked them up and now he's like well we can self-publish now and he started self-publishing his books i'm like hmm so that's really what sparked the idea the very first time i actually thought seriously about maybe doing it and he handed me a copy of writer's market 2012 um, and I definitely, I would definitely recommend that for beginners. I don't really do much with it anymore. But when I was first started, I was like all into writer's market. So he handed me like a physical copy of his writer's market and said, Hey, take it home, read it. You can do this. And so that's kind of what, what started it. And um, I did not, I'm very much a planner and an entrepreneur. And I'd been thinking about, I actually started an art business shortly before this with my sister who does art. So we actually sold art for about a year before I started publishing Um, And I was trying to like, make that into a career. So very, I was just always been very entrepreneurial. And um, so once I decided that this might actually be a thing I could do, I started planning. And I got like a, like a call center job just to pay my bills for a couple years, because you got to pay the bills. But all the while I was planning, I was planning, like I had my quit date. Like I was planning, like, this is when I was going to publish. This is like my plan. I'm like a five, 10 year, 15 year plan kind of person. Like when I was in college, I had like my one-year plan, my five-year plan, my 10-year plan. So the thing about plans is they're really helpful, but you just got to realize they're not set in stone and plans need to evolve and change as you evolve and change. So my plans have evolved and changed a lot over the years, but always for the better.
1: I love that. First of all, your journey is so awesome. And what I love about it is the fact that every time we have someone come on and we ask them, how did you get into writing? It's always like that. Oh, well, I was doing this completely different thing that had nothing to do with writing. And then now I'm an author. And so I think that's like, that's super cool. And I love how you touched upon, you had that entrepreneurial mind at the outset. And so did you realize, because like back in those days, I mean, like, People knew about, you know, self-publishing and being indie authors, but it wasn't like this, oh, okay, I know I can do this and I can make money off of it. Like, did you know, okay, like this could be a really good career if I set this up? Like, how did you go about uh, approaching it like that, right? Because a lot of times with indies, some of our listeners, it's very much so like, okay, like it's more hobbyist having to get into the career part versus like you actually knew from beginning, no, I need to approach this as a business and go from there.
2: Yeah. Um, well, one of the things was that the first, the first thing that happened was someone handed me a copy of Writer's Market, you know? And so the first thing I did wasn't think, oh, I'm going to self-publish. The first thing I did was I read Writer's Market. So I started thinking about it, like, okay, you know, and I knew my friend who gave me Writer's Market, he was self-publishing his books and, you know, he wasn't making any money yet. He was still in the process of like doing his first couple, um, But he's all he owned his own small business. He had his own law firm for decades. And so he was also kind of an entrepreneur. And so he and I talked about kind of some of the self publishing, you know, opportunities out there. And so my first, you know, couple months of just considering it, I just googled you know, how to be a published author, you know, how to make money as an author, how to be a professional, how to self-publish, self-publishing versus traditional publishing. Like, how do you make money as an author? Like, I I remember the call center that I worked at, um, I got a late shift on purpose so that I would be sitting around for hours in the middle of the night with nothing to do. And I would just Google this stuff and just read and read and read and read. And honestly, like they kind of paid me to research how to start my own publishing business. (laughs) Um, I did my job just, you know, there weren't a lot of people calling in the middle of the night. And so I spent, I spent months just reading about self-publishing and like finding self-published authors who were making it. Um, a, like one piece of advice that I heard early on that I don't remember where I heard it. Cause it's a pretty common piece of advice is find people who are successful, find people who you look up to and find out what they did. It's not always do what they do because what they do might not work for you, especially in publishing. There's a lot of paths that work and a lot of paths that lead to success because every person is different and every person's fiction is different um but i went looking for those people who i respected you know i started with traditional authors that i loved and then i started like looking into other authors and other books um really just googling stuff like really google stuff you'll find some really cool things and so i got onto like um joanna penn and the creative Penn website i got onto mark dawson and mark Dawson's self-publishing formula podcast Um, and stuff like that. And so, you know, I really just started to kind of soak in all this information about those career paths, like traditional versus self-publishing. And I realized pretty early on that I don't have the patience for traditional publishing, like the way most people get in traditional publishing. I'm like, I know my skills. I know what I can do. I know how to start a business. I'm not going to wait potentially years to find an agent and potentially years to find a publisher. And then another couple years to have my books published. I'm like, I'm ready to do this right now, and so because of that, self-publishing was right for me. And so um, I I believe the self-publishing revolution, like especially the ebook revolution, kind of started a little bit earlier. Maybe 2005, 2006, 2007 was when it first really started, and and like those few people who were into it at the beginning like skyrocketed you know, to the top of the charts and stuff. And so about that time, 2011, 12, 13, when I was researching it, it was starting to become a little bit like mainstream, like in a, yeah, people may not respect us yet, but we're making a solid living doing this. And there were lots of people doing that. Um, and so I came in like, right, right when the swell, like not during the initial rocket, but right when the swell is really starting to grow. And so I benefited from a lot of really amazing advice and resources and instruction from other indie authors who'd been doing it for, you know, like five or, you know, six, five, six, seven more years than I had. And I kind of, I just run on their coattails. Like I will be upfront. Nothing I'm telling you right now is from me. Like I learned all of this from other people, from amazing. It's one of the reasons I love being an author is that authors especially in the author community like it's just a wonderful beautiful place to be people love each other we love helping each other it's none of this like there's really not any of this rivalry because there's room for everybody's books it's not like you know there's billions and billions of readers out there you just gotta write a book that they want to read so it's just a wonderful place to learn and I I've benefited from a help from a lot of people over the years so I hope I answered your question I think I started rambling a bit there at the end but
0: Mm -hmm. That actually makes a lot of sense because one of the, the things we talk about so much is community and finding people and finding people that you look up to and, you know, talking and having those conversations and discussing because it's so helpful to figure out what to do next It can help you get unstuck and figure out marketing and I mean, thinking back to when my career really kicked off, I was like, you know, what changed? And I was like, oh yeah, I had more author friends that I was talking with and I had more help. That's what changed. And so I love to talk about how long did it take you, you know, from the time you started publishing until you felt like things really kicked off and you were like, oh great, now I can quit my job and this is my living.
2: Yeah. Well, a couple factors in that, which is not going to be the same for everyone. Um, I got married in 2014 and, um, both my husband and I worked at the same call center, but he was, he'd been there for like a long time. And so he was at a much higher position than I did. I was just working there just to help, you know, cover the bills and stuff. Um, and so we talked about it and he was, one of the reasons I married my husband is because he supported me in my dream. Like, you know, I, he supported me in my art. He supported me in publishing and he's a storyteller himself. He's like very ADD and dyslexic. And so he, I'm still trying to get him to write a book um, but he tells stories. He is a certain like he's a bard. He is a bard. Um, so he has actually wrote a book that is one of his stories that he told me for years. And I'm like, write it down, write it down. He's like, mm, yeah. like, write it down. So finally I said, all right, I'm going to write it. Can I write it? Is that okay? He's like, yeah, I guess so. So I went and wrote the story (laughs) because he wouldn't write it, but he supported me the whole way. And so this has always been like a joint dream of ours. Um, It's always been our goal to, I quit my job and publish full time so that he can quit his job and publish with me. And so that was our plan from the beginning. And so once we got married, I started budgeting again, like entrepreneurial spirit. I was like all into like the, uh, like, I don't know if you ever heard of Peace University, Dave Ramsey, like paying off her debts, getting our student loans paid off, you know, uh, like getting a house, like I was all on to all these different things to make sure, remember, one-year plan, five-year plan, 10-year plan. Um, So I was figuring out our budgets, what our income was, what our expenses were, and when, like how we could eke by on just as income, and so when I could quit. Um, So I, I basically came up with a timeline of, you know, I got my first two books written, um, in 2015, you know, edited and all that, um, I quit in October of 2015. My job did a Kickstarter for my first two books in January of 2016. Um, that was my like my, my plan to fund them because I didn't have like a savings or whatever to spend on artwork and and all that. So I did a Kickstarter, um, and that went um, so much better than I could have imagined which was just a testament to the wonderful, beautiful, generous people, uh, who are my friends and family. And, you know, I, that wasn't me. That was just everybody supporting me. And it was, it, it made me cry. Like during the Kickstarter, I was like crying on a daily basis. I'm like, people are helping me achieve my dream. <laughs> um, so that was wonderful. And so the Kickstarter happened and that enabled me to publish the first two books in the Lily Singer adventures in April of 2016. Um, and so it was probably, that first year, I think we operated at a loss, not much of a loss, but a loss for the first two years. And then the next year or two, next two years, I think maybe it was just the first year was a loss. And then, cause the Kickstarter helped ameliorate those initial funds of getting those first books published. So like, there we go. The first year, I think we had a little bit of loss. The second year it paid for itself cause I published two more books. So the income from the books was able, was enough to pay for me to publish two more books. Um, I think it did kickstart. The second two books though too um you know because i wanted money to invest in the business so i was investing in like all sorts of other stuff like artwork and you know building my website and going going to conventions and you know networking and stuff like that um and so 2017 i published this books three and four in the series then i did two box sets with a bunch of different authors and hit the usa today bestseller list twice that was like my goal that year to, you know, be able to put that on my books and stuff. Um, And that was, that's a whole nother podcast right there, like a lot of work, but a lot of fun. So I wrote two more books for those two box sets. That was 2018. Uh, And then I had a baby. Uh, And uh, because we'd always wanted to start a family, but I was like, I need to publish a couple books first. So I slowed down a little bit and wrote one book in 2019. Um, And that was kind of when Things started taking off more because I started getting into online advertising, which I always kind of knew I would have to do, but I didn't know anything about it at first, um, which was fine. So the first two or three years I was publishing, I was just making, I was mostly just making money with paperback sales at conventions. Um, because I'm a people person and so I'm really good at selling books in person and so that kind of carried the boat and I was selling a few online but not a whole lot I was just trying to figure out how to get traction with that so then by year three or four I started investigating Mark Dawson's course was the first one I did uh, ads for authors and self-publishing 101 so that kind of got me started with online advertising and how to do it and how to do it and not waste a bunch of money um, and so that put my book in front of people, uh, in front of eyes, and so it, I started building up steam there, and also all the time I'd spent in building social media, um, that started kind of getting a little bit momentum, and you know, it's really true, the more books you write, the better you set yourself up as, so, so now that I had a bit of a backlist, I had four, or five, you know, six books out, um, I was actually, you know, getting like royalties from the earlier ones, then each new one coming out, so it's not a journey, like everybody's journey is different. I know some people who have planned like from the get-go, you know, planned a bestseller release, like their first book. And and they might be able to write really fast. So they come out with like a book a month for in like a trilogy or something. And there's all these different strategies. Um, but that's, you know, what I did because I started having kids. So I had to slow down a little bit. and I just needed to focus on um, the online advertising and, you know, spending money on ads, which I got a good return on. So I spend thousands of dollars on ads, but I make, you know, like what it was at hundred, I make about 30 to, oh gosh, numbers, 70 to a hundred percent return on investment, which, so if I spend a dollar and I make $2, I think that's a hundred percent. So I make about 70 cents to a dollar per dollar that I spend. I'm probably explaining that terribly, not a math person. Um, but that's kind of like the, the, like the first couple years, I was just, it was paying for itself. That was great, but I wasn't making any money. Um, I wasn't making any additional money for myself for income. And then the next couple years when I started advertising online, I started making like contributing to the bills. Um, and then last November, not November, 2020, but November, 2019, um, I started a much more intensive advertising course for like professional marketers, like marketers who are working for you know, like Adidas and Kroger and you know, like big time marketers learning how people who do this for who are marketers for a living do it. Um and that's when that's what and then 2020 happened. Everybody had to stay at home. And so everybody was buying books. And so we did very well. And uh my husband quit his job in December. So now we're both working full time uh for ourselves. And uh yeah, I think that I answered your
1: question. <laughs> that is awesome and what I will like to ask about because I know you write urban fantasy right and I know um sometimes the genres that authors go into it's not just like oh I like to write this but it's also like oh this genre will do well especially at the outset so like was that also something that factored in I know that ads for sure like definitely helped and you know different kinds of advertising also just building up a digital presence right social networking that kind of thing but did um the that you choose to write did that also play a factor like did you also kind of just like hit nice with that Elsa
2: well I have to give my husband all the credit for this year remember I was writing like a super dark like angsty teenage vampires book that was the first one and then I was like I get a little bit of um just weary soul writing that but that was gonna be my first book like that was my intention so I started writing this light-hearted like urban fantasy stuff with a lot of snarky humor and a talking cat Um, And so my husband was like, you know, Lydia, like this stuff is like Harry Potter type stuff. Like you should publish this first. That was right when the Harry Potter movies were getting made, like do this first. This is what people want. And so before we even heard the term right to market, this is years before, maybe not before the term was created, but before I'd ever heard about it. Like my husband was already My husband, by the way, owned a gaming store back in the day. So he was also an entrepreneur um, and and like he had a a partner and he started up a gaming store in um, Columbus, Georgia. And so, uh, you know, like he was also of a marketing mindset and was like, this is what you should publish right now. And so based on my husband's advice and also the fact that I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. So I was already writing the kind of fun, lighthearted, magical adventure that harry potter was because that's what i liked because we write what we love um and so that was an incredibly deep popular genre that had a lot of potential um and so and the internet is ruled by cats the internet exists for cats like not really but they kind of does exist for cats and so honestly it it I wouldn't say my success is because of chance or because of I just happened to hit on the right thing, but it definitely is better than it could have been um, if I had started with a different book because Harry Potter and Cats and like snarky humor and like Librarian Wizard, like that's checking off all the boxes for a huge, huge audience of people. Um, So yeah, when I was... Uh, selling books at conventions I learned through a lot of trial and error that to get people to come to my table um, I I use three keywords uh, or I I call out to people and like invite people over and I have like my keywords like you use for advertising that's magical adventure snarky humor and a talking cat and so those kind of became my uh, not mantra but like the keywords that defined me as an author um, for advertising and so and it's and that's that's done very, very well. Uh, And so, yes, the genre definitely matters. Um, Anybody can can be successful in any genre um, if the stars align uh, and you work really hard. So I would never tell anybody to not write in the genre they're passionate about because there is a way to be successful in that genre, but you may not be as successful as like this other person over here writing in this other super big popular genre, you know? So yeah, genre definitely had something to do with it. And I am glad I listened to my husband's advice. And we started with the Snarky Magical Fun Adventure um, that Harry Potter fans love. So that definitely helped out.
0: Yeah, I can see that because when I first went to your website, that was the first thing that caught my eye. I was like, ooh, this looks like fun. I want to read this. And, you know, just like, that that was it yeah. i didn't need to read the description or anything i just was like oh those keywords they those pop talking out
2: cat. i mean who could say no to talking cats like yeah salem uh what are some other great ones you know cheshire cat i don't know if you, you guys are familiar with garth Nix, but mock from his a Porson series and yeah talking cats are the best
1: seriously the first thing i thought of when i went to your website was sabrina the teenage witch i was oh, like yeah. I was like, oh, this makes me, and I just thought about like how much I used to laugh and I'm like, oh, this would be perfect. Yeah,
2: <laughs> and, and honestly, it's, it's more like the old Sabrina the Teenage Witch, not the new Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which so the new Sabrina the Teenage Witch, honestly, if, if I remember correctly, is more like the original comic that inspired the TV show. But the reason I liked Sabrina the Teenage Witch was the lightheartedness of it and the snarky talking animal, like little robot cat. <laughs> or puppet was it a puppet or a robot I don't even know um but uh yeah I I do I do when I was at conventions I was like hey if you like stuff like Sabrina the Teenage Witch or you know Hocus Pocus and Charmed and stuff like that um I definitely mentioned those those uh series when I was advertising my books
0: yeah that that's awesome and I do I do want to go back to ads because I love what you touched on about advertising and how you waited until um, you know, you had a few books out and then you were like, okay, this is what I need in order to take my career to the next level, which is that was my same way of thinking. I was like, okay, I have stuff out. And now the missing part is I need to learn advertising. And I also love that you also went further and dug into what other marketers are doing. And I think that's really important because pay-per-click is just something that a lot of businesses use, but they know how to use it well. And so it, it's a good ideal to learn how to use those tools, but will you talk about, um, just a little bit about, I guess, Facebook versus Amazon ads and kind of what has worked best for you?
2: Mm -hmm. Well, I'll put a couple disclaimers up first of all. Uh, so the first thing is if anyone's been paying attention to kind of the big tech wars that have been going on in terms of privacy and data um i will be absolutely honest and say i have a little bit of misgiving sometimes advertising on facebook simply because um the reason advertising on facebook works is because advertise is because facebook mines data about you and you know, 99.99% of the time, it's not in any way to hurt anybody. They just want to know what you like so they can sell you stuff. And selling stuff is not bad. You know, if it's something you love and it brings joy to your life, like I have, so, have had so many people email me and say, hey, I'm so glad I saw your ad on Facebook. I'm so glad Facebook showed me that ad. Like, I love these books, you know, yay, Facebook showing me ads, you know, and so it can be such a good thing. Uh, Facebook has done wonderful things for our world. But it's also addicted millions of people to social media and, it, and in some cases addicted to the point of ill health, doing bad things to your health, uh, screwing with teenagers, you know, brain chemistry and, you know, leading to suicide, you know, so, so there's, there's, a, there's always a, a danger, you know, anything powerful, there's some danger to it. So I say all that not to discourage somebody from advertising on Facebook, um, but to have the mindset of um, all good things have downsides. um, And uh, there is starting to be some pushback against um, how much data Facebook is mining. For instance, one thing that's kind of disrupted me and my little marketing group that were just a bunch of authors kind of working together, all sharing notes, being like, hey, what's worked for you? What did Facebook just do? My ads tanked yesterday. What's going on? is that uh, Apple put out, um, has recently changed its rules such that it forces people to opt into sharing their data on their Apple, like mobile stuff with Facebook, as opposed to more automatically and like a little bit more sneakily, like just allowing Facebook to take that data. And so Facebook's all like, you can't do this. It will ruin advertisers' lives. All these small businesses depend on you giving us all this data, which is just BS. Um, It's, you know, it's it's made things a little bit harder, but you just learn and you adapt. And there's a lot of other opportunities out there. So I'm kind of glad Apple did that. Also kind of annoyed because it's made my life harder, but glad um, because I want people to understand what they're giving to Facebook. Um, and I, and I hope I always use, you know, that power in my hands that Facebook gives me. I hope I use that for good. is the reason I write fun, funny fiction. is because I want to make people laugh. I want to bring joy to their lives. So the reason I use Facebook and why I I make my family's living off of Facebook is because it gathers billions upon billions of points of data about you. um, And it can correlate those. And so you can go into Facebook and say, please target people who love Harry Potter and cats and tea and eBooks. Uh, and, uh, and, and the list goes on. You can add stuff to exclude and make the audience smaller, but, um, so Facebook, their algorithms, uh, their computer programs that they design, um, know when people buy stuff, what time of day people buy stuff, how likely people are to buy things based on the time of month. Like, so I put my ads out there with all of these criteria for Facebook's algorithms and they go out and find those people and show them, um, my ad. And so Facebook is the most powerful advertising tool out there, period. Much more powerful than Google ads um, or Amazon ads or or anything like that, because it's the social media where like everybody comes to be social, whereas Amazon is a shopping site. It's not a social site. Um, And so, yeah, Facebook is literally the most powerful advertising tool in the entire history of the world. And there might be another one at some point in the future, but right now it's Facebook. And so all that to say that the level of and type of advertising you do on Facebook to really be successful, the people who are making, who are spending millions on advertising and making billions on Facebook, um, it's, a much, it's much more complicated and complex than a lot of people realize, which is why I mentioned I took that like more advanced class. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't start simple. Um, Mark Dawson's ad for authors course is what I started with. Um, and I, and I made money, you know, I made money and started supporting my family and started paying bills. So I personally recommend people start with Facebook because it has the most potential, but I know also that some people can be very intimidated by it. Um, and so I just would recommend one, take off your author hat, take off your artist hat and put on your business hat. Um, you are a business and you need to do the training and reading to teach yourself how to market even if it's at a very low level at first it's okay to start small and there's so many free resources out there you don't need to pay to start there's enough free courses on like how to get started that you can get started for free now that said don't waste a bunch of money when you don't know what you're doing so you know that said like mark dawson's ad for others course i've mentioned it a couple times and i would highly recommend it because he gives you lifetime um membership so I paid for it three years ago but I'm still going back in today and listening to the updated training on Amazon ads that I paid for three years ago when it was like half as expensive um and learning stuff and he updates these videos like regularly he and his whole team and so you know like I'd say jump on the ad for authors course (laughs) like I said it, it was half as expensive like three or four years ago so that that was really great um And so you can get started pretty easily starting small. And I just learned, it's been about two or three years that I've been learning how to advertise successfully on Facebook. Um, And like, like you said, Angela, I just, every time I kind of hit a ceiling, I'm like, hmm, this isn't really working, or I feel like I can't grow anymore. And I don't really know what's going on. Like I want, like I see people doing this stuff, but I don't know how to do it. Like I would just find that next way to train myself to get to the next level. Um, And so, you know, there's a lot of paths. Some people just hit it just right and just their books just explode. They didn't really do anything. That's okay, good for them. But for the average person, you gotta treat this like a business. You have to not expect to be the exception. Um, And it's, it's just math. There are so many eyeballs. If those eyeballs never see your books, those eyeballs aren't gonna buy your books. Therefore, you need to put your books in front of those eyeballs and mostly, that requires paid advertising. There's free ways, absolutely, and you can get started with free ways. And I recommend you get started with free ways, um, newsletter swaps, and um, you know, Facebook parties, and and all this this free uh, stuff, and cross promotion with other authors. Uh, but to support my family, so that both my husband and I could work for my publishing company, um, I, you know, was like, I'm not gonna just hope this grows with free stuff, I'm going to start paying. I'm start investing in my company and in my future. So I recommend starting with Facebook. That's how I got started with Facebook. Um, I currently don't do Amazon ads, but my husband, who is now the marketing director, I'm shifting all the advertising over to him, um, is doing the Amazon ads training, and we will be doing some Amazon ads. I'm less enthusiastic about Amazon because, uh, one, I'm not in KU. I'm not in Kindle Limited, which means I'm not exclusive to Amazon, which means Amazon prefers uh, their algorithms prefer people who are exclusive to Amazon. So my ranking with how many books I sell uh, is about half, or even a third of what it would be if I was selling exactly the same number of books in Kindle Unlimited. Um, they just, their rankings just prefer Kindle Unlimited books. And you know, it's their platform; they can do what they want, whatever. Um, but uh, I would rather be wide, because <clears throat> I'd rather reach a wider audience. Um, and it gives me a lot more freedom, a lot more freedom. Uh, I sell my advertising funnel, I suppose, with Facebook it involves sending people to my website and buying my eBooks from my own website, um, which I fulfill using book funnel. Um, so I'm not sending them to Amazon. I'm sending them to my website. I'm getting their email address. I'm building my own customer base and I'm taking control of my customers and my store and my business. And so that is what makes me the money. It's not sending them to another platform now you can make an entire career sending people to another platform again don't take this as like you can't you have to do it this way this is just um what i would recommend in terms of putting as many giving yourself as much chance for success as possible as opposed to doing x y and z and hoping that it works um i would rather spend all this money getting customers that I own, rather than sending customers to Amazon that Amazon now owns. Um, So I don't really like the idea of paying Amazon to sell my books that they're already supposed to sell and giving them more money while they're also taking a royalty cut and they're keeping my customers' contact information. Like, I just don't really like that now that I know how to advertise on Facebook and make the customers mine. Um, But uh, I also don't trust Facebook. not because I hate Facebook, just they're a business. And as much as they want me to succeed, so I'll keep spending money on their ad platform, they don't care about me, which is which is fine. It's okay. I'm just one little author. They don't care about me. They're a big business. So I don't want all my eggs in one basket, which is the same reason I'm a hybrid author instead of just a self-published author. I have a publishing contract with Bain Books. My first Bain book should come out next year, I think. I think I've got a short... Uh, Story collection coming out this summer, and then I've got a trilogy that starts coming out next year. Um, So that if for some reason, you know, Facebook implodes, you know, or whatever, like I've still got other avenues, other revenue streams. Um, And so that's my philosophy with advertising. I started with Facebook, mastered that, we're making money. Now we're moving to Amazon. Once we do Amazon, I'm also looking at Bookbub, and we've looked into Pinterest, but we've kind of found Pinterest, you got to build a social base. And it takes a lot of time and a lot of energy and we don't, that's not a good investment for us. We're probably not going to advertise on Pinterest. Um, I've heard Google ads are really competitive and can be really expensive. So, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm getting into that. So right now it's basically Facebook, Amazon ads and and BookBub. And I've also heard, um, Angela, are you doing BookSniffer? Is that one of your things that you've got going or is that one of the other authors?
0: Yep, it is one of the things. Okay. Me and you're thinking of Jay Andrews. So yes, yeah, she's yeah. in on it so, too.
2: So other stuff like Book Sniffer, like I totally want you guys to succeed. Please succeed. If I could grab your shoulders, like take you, please succeed. Uh, I want you guys to succeed because I want there to be more avenues for advertising for authors and more ways for us to connect directly with our customers. So again, I'm very loquacious. There you go
0: uh, first of all, we're going to have to have you back because I just thought of like a thousand things to ask you. And okay, I'm like, like, you know what? Yeah. Never mind. Um, you know, we're, we're running out of time. And so we only have time for a few more questions. And so, yes, you definitely
2: have to come back, uh, because we have more episodes. <laughs> this is, is going to be part one. This is going to be, you know, Lydia share a lifestyle interview, part one. <laughs> this is yes. definitely
1: part one. Cause like yeah. I, you were talking and I was like, I have a solid like three pages of questions in my head for me right now. <laughs> I was like, I need to ask this woman all the things, but I will go with this one. Um, you hit, You hinted at it a couple of times. And so I want to talk about full-time author right? And (laughs) because the understanding of what that is for a lot of listeners is very different. So you are a full-time author. Tell us what does that actually mean? And what does your, like, what does your day look like?
2: Mm -hmm. Um, Well, first of all, it's obviously going to mean different things for different people. I am married with two children under three. So it's going to look a lot different for me than it would look for even my husband. For instance, if this was five years in the future, and I actually got him to write some books. Come on husband, write those books. Uh, it's gonna look different for him than it would for me because he's not like a mom with small children. It's gonna look different for someone who's single. Um, it might look different for someone who's like retired and they don't have kids in the house. Um, but generally what I know from other authors that I'm acquainted with is, you know, it's not like you sit down at a desk and eight hours later you get up from the desk. Um, you know, first of all, why work for yourself and publish books, if not to like get up and move around and have your own freaking schedule and like work as long as you need to. And then, you know, who cares? Like, you don't have a boss anymore. So so, there, so there's that. Like, it can look like a lot of different things, but generally we're not, we're definitely not writing eight hours a day. Um, most successful authors that I know, they have a period usually early in the morning, um, like when they're undisturbed. Cause I know a lot of authors who have families and who have kids, they need like that undisturbed two or three hours a day when they sit down and they, and they're really focused. Most professional authors, they've got this writing thing down, they sit down, they've got like their timer, they've got like their word count, they've got like the headphones on, you know, they've got like their plan and they just punch out like thousands of words in those a couple hours. And then they may spend um, a couple hours in another part of the day advertising and another you know, working on advertising or producing their next book. And another couple hours, you know, maybe doing social media or, you know, writing blog posts or, you know, whatever networking thing, you know, they're doing. Um, And so the actual writing part is maybe a half, more like a third of the time I spend as a professional author. I wish I spent more time doing it, which is why my husband is now the marketing director of Chenoweth Press. um, But it's still going to take another couple months of me imparting all this three years of advertising knowledge to him so that he can do what I do in the advertising arena. And even then still, I'm gonna be doing some advertising and I'll still do all the social media stuff. So honestly, really professional authors, if you're self-published, traditionally published, I can't speak on people who are just traditionally published because they have a publisher who is doing that marketing and who's doing that production of the book that we as self-published authors have to do ourselves. So people just need to realize that I am a publisher. I own Chenoweth Press who publishes one author, me. I hope to publish my husband eventually someday, but write that book. Um, So I am a publishing company that has a marketer and an advertiser and a social media person. And all those people are me. And so I'm wearing all of those hats and doing all of those things. And so as much as I'd like to spend eight hours a day writing, I can't uh, and still do what I'm doing. So as a professional author, first of all, you need to figure out how to write efficiently. Um, And I'm, not good at it. Like I'll tell you right up there, I write a book, if I'm doing good, two books a year. Um, I know people who write 12, who write a dozen books a year, like full length, 100,000 words. I know people who punch out a book a month, easy. And they've got their writing down to a science. And usually they're not moms with small children. I'll give you that. They're usually either dads or they're moms with older children or they're single people or, or people you know with no children in the house. Um, who can do that uninterrupted you know, hours and hours. So, so that's the first big misconception to clear up is I'm not writing eight hours a day. I'm writing maybe two to three hours a day. Um, uh, the, the other thing about my schedule, how my day looks like uh, right now, it's a little bit different than what it's hopefully gonna look like in two weeks. Um, I have a babysitter and I've had a babysitter for the last two years um, because there's no way I could be a mom, which is a you know, 80 hour a week job um, it's honestly a all of your life, all of your hours of all the day job, but my children do sleep. So basically, I work when they're asleep. So there's my first 80 hour a week first job. Um, there's no way I could bring my job to the professional level it's at right now if I had never had any childcare help. Um, so professional working moms, they put their kids in childcare, and that's normal and expected. And so as a stay at home mom who has a career, like I've had to figure out how to achieve those results um, without daycare, first of all, cause um, I-, I wanted to have my kids in the home. <clears throat> I want to spend more time with my kids and also COVID 2020, like, there was no daycare. Um, so I've had uh, a series of babysitters, all wonderful people who I love to death, uh, who come to my house and babysit the kids a couple hours, like two or three days a week while I worked. Um, now in two weeks or next week, we are finally hiring a nanny. So uh, I will finally get 32 hours a week, four days a week, eight hours a day of unbroken time. Not really, cause I'm nursing my youngest. So it's not actually unbroken um, to work. And I'm very excited about that and excited about how many more books a year I'll get to write now, hopefully, fingers crossed, that I will have a nanny. But that is business, growing, budgeting. Can we afford this? How much can we afford? How much can we pay them? You know, can we even attract like a high quality nanny with what we can pay them like this is my business 10 with press hiring an employee basically to do childcare in my home so that I can write so it's just again you go at it with a business mindset. Um, and it takes a lot of planning and uh, once we have the nanny you know we're going to try and do eight to five um, because we're honestly more productive in the morning um, and so you know, the plan is once the nanny starts is, you know, I'll feed my kids breakfast and then he comes and, uh, you know, I'll spend the morning writing. Cause generally you write better in the morning when your brain is fresh. I know it's night owls. We want to write at night. I know I love writing at night and I do a lot of writing at night, but I, it's good to get it out of the way first. Otherwise you'll procrastinate and never get it done. So get it done first. So I'll spend the first part of the morning writing, Um, And then we'll break for lunch and have uh, lunch with the kids and then go back and do kind of marketing in the afternoon, Um, you know, checking ads, you know, updating stuff, checking the website, fulfilling orders. If people order like signed copies or swag or whatever, um, and doing all of that, like business maintenance stuff in the afternoon and then break and have dinner and, you know, the babysitter goes home, we have dinner, um, family time or whatever, put the kids to bed. And then some nights, I mean, for the past six years, um, I have worked at night most nights. And I've also been terribly sleep deprived for a long time. I do not recommend doing it, but I'm a workaholic. So I, that's, that's what I do. I've been struggling to make myself get more sleep. Um, but I've been, I work a lot at night, bed like two in the morning ish, get up around seven. So not ideal. That's just what I've done to, to get to where I am. And, and I wish I could have done it another way, but I am more sleep, more sleep. I can do this uh so yeah that's pretty much that's pretty much what I do and uh um you know we relax in the evenings too we game a lot my husband actually is developing a game based on my books right now so he's excited about that and uh you know so we do like play testing at night or you know I do research which is watching movies reading books watching it re-watching tv series that's all research um so I hope I answered that question I think I did
0: uh, yeah, that was awesome. I, I love how you have talked through all the different areas that we talk to on the Indie Author Lifestyle show. We talk about writing and publishing and marketing and lifestyle, and you have covered everything, which is great. And I really like how you focused on, you know, everyone's journey is gonna be different and I think authors need to hear that a lot more is, you know, your journey is going to be different because it's your journey, but it's good to know and it's helpful to hear what everyone else is doing. And yeah. that's just such a helpful thing. Yeah. And then as an aside, I love that you have a nanny. I was a nanny for five years and it was Aww. like my favorite job. And I'm just like, still like, oh, nanny
2: life. Yep. yep.
0: <laughs> so fun. But yeah, well, this has been absolutely amazing. Loved it. I mean, I have a list of questions for you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> We're, we'll schedule a part two and probably a part three, maybe a part four. If you guys, you know, I, I, you guys don't understand extrovert an extroverted extrovert past yes. years. I've like talked to nobody. So you guys are just getting like this, the extrovert spew of like, please people talking <laughs> to people. So I will talk until your ears bleed and fall off.
0: It's brilliant. We love <laughs> it. We love it. We're excited for our listeners to hear this and I guess, do you have any last takeaways for us? Um,
2: Remember, it's okay to start small. And honestly, you should be starting small. If you're an indie author, you're not going to have the resources to do any kind of big startup. So it's okay to start small. Um, You know, find people you respect and you want to be like and see what they're doing. Um, Treat this as a business, because if you don't, I hesitate to say you won't be successful Um, because obviously anything could happen. But if you don't treat it as a business, you will probably not be successful. Um, uh, And, you know, you might write great books. You might write the best books in the universe. But if you don't get eyeballs on them, they're not going to sell. So treat it like a business. Um, I think I've lost track of how many things. But anyway, uh, and, you know, just kind of like, just summarizing, everybody's path is going to look different. You got to figure out what's going to work for you. um, And make a plan. Like, don't be haphazard about it. Uh, You know, don't be afraid to like, it's a marathon, it is not a sprint. Like you cannot be impatient about this stuff. Um, you have to dig in and find the joy in what you're doing right now and have big dreams for the future and just take those little steps every day, be consistent, put your butt in the chair and write the freaking words because without books, you're not gonna sell anything. Go write those books, people. I don't care if it's hard. I don't care if it's hard, write the freaking books, okay? One of my favorite quotes is, if you can stop writing, do it. If you can't, you're a writer. Really deep there, you gotta gotta think about it. You gotta think about it. I couldn't stop writing if I tried. Not that I couldn't be lazy and not write for weeks on end, but I'd have that internal urge, like I gotta get these words out. And so when you discipline yourself and like get a method down and write regularly and make yourself write regularly, whether you want to or not, um that forms a habit writing is a muscle it's a mental muscle and if you don't make a habit of it um you're not going to write as well or as much so i know it's hard but life is hard and work is hard it doesn't matter if you're working in the thing you want to do it's still hard put your butt in the chair and write those words whether you want to or not you cannot oh oh uh you can't edit a blank page there you go <laughs> none of these are from me, by the way, none of these quotes. This is not Lydia Sher. Don't quote Lydia Sher. I got all of this stuff from other people. These are just some of my favorite quotes I've picked up over the years. So there you go. There's my summary. (laughs)
0: Love it. Well, we appreciate having you on and we look forward to next time.
2: Yeah. I've had a lot of fun. Can't wait to come back again.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Indie Author Lifestyle Show. The journey to becoming a full-time author on your own terms is easier than you think. With workshops, writing, and marketing resources, and more, we're here to help you live your best Indie Author life. Ready to dive in? Visit IndieAuthorLifestyle.com for more details. Let's chat again in the next episode.